Possum Podcast. Toot toot. Tonight, the Big Howl and Possum Podcast presents Ask the Possum, a philosophical discussion grounded in the ancient wisdom of the most important mind of our age, the wise old possum. I've traveled by foot to see the possum atop his secluded thinking perch, and I will be asking him questions so that I can bring his wisdom back to you at home. You're welcome. I'll go ahead and get the uh, possum's attention now. Oh, great possum, I have traveled far by foot to bask in the light of your knowledge. May I please have a bit of your time to ask you some questions that weigh heavy upon my brain. Ah, hello, young traveler. I see you've come a far away. Have you brought snacks on your journey? Uh, snacks? Have you any chips? No, I did not bring any snacks. I didn't realize I needed to bring snacks. You seek wisdom. Yeah. And you bring me no chips? I did not bring any chips. Well, that settles who the wise one is here for sure. What kind of questions do you have for me, young fool? Well, uh, I traveled a long way, and I've heard a lot about how wise you are. I'm going to ask you some really big questions about life, like, for instance, what is the meaning of life? Well, young travelers, some say that the meaning of life itself is to bring stuff for people when you want stuff from people. You know, I mean, it's it's... Pretty, it's so basic. It's obvious. But I guess a lot of things are obvious to me because I'm wise. Yeah. But it's almost not even the meaning of life. It's almost just like just basic human decency, you know? Okay. You have much to learn. Okay. So you still, you still want some snacks. So I tell you what. I'm going to go get you some snacks. We're going to play a song. And when we come back, I'll have some snacks for you. And maybe you can answer some of these questions for me. Okay. Ah, uh, you're learning fast, young cricket. Toot toot, dear listeners. I am the great and wise possum. And tonight, the not-so-great and foolish Big Howl has come to sit at my nasty feet and ask me some big questions. What is your first question, Big Howl? Oh, wise old possum. My first dilemma that I present you with involves a goat herd with three goats in his care. Two of these goats are perfect in every way. They are easy to herd. They are well-kempt and gentle. They only eat the grass and feed that they are instructed to eat. The third goat, however, is an absolute train wreck of a goat. 
a bad goat. It looks very weird. It's disheveled. It's always escaping. It likes to eat things it's not supposed to, like an old can or uh, one of the goat herd's boots. It causes trouble amongst the other goats, spreading rumors and sowing drama, uh, generally making life difficult for everybody in their little goat family group. I see, I see. My question to you, Great Possum, is what should the goat herd do to get the troublesome goat, the bad goat, in line without discouraging the two good goats? Oh, such a simple brain. You're more lost than one of your goats, Big Hell. You don't even know what your real problem is. You think your real problem is that you've got one bad goat and two perfect little goats. But the real issue is that you've got one really tight goat and two goats that just jumps. You want a goat to do what you say and just walk around and just eat grass and just be good and don't start rumors. That's a boring goat. They're bad at being a goat. You understand? Uh. The one goat you've got that you see as a problem is a good goat. So the bad goat is actually good at being a goat. Exactly. And the other two are bad at being goats. Right. Because they're well-behaved. Exactly. You want a goat that's going to chomp a can or steal your boot or talk behind your back or make fun of your beard and say how it's not as good as their beard. This is what goats do. But how does one maintain order in a world where goats do whatever they want? You must be the goat. Put down your shepherd's crook. Get on all fours. Forego bathing and be a goat for two years. And then you will understand that you yourself would not be a good goat. So a goat herd must live life as a goat. Yes. And follow the instructions and instincts of the quote-unquote bad goat in order to know how to truly live as a goat herd. Yes. The party goat is your daddy now. The party goat is your daddy now. Yes. Wisdom from the great possum. What is your next question, young fool? Mr. Possum, let's say I am a caring mother bathing in the river with my only infant child. Oh, that's sweet. Suddenly, a crocodile sneaks up and snatches my child from my hands. Ooh! The crocodile is now holding my infant child the way that, like, a villain in a movie is holding someone hostage, right? He's gonna, oh. he's gonna chop that baby's head right off. If I don't do something, right? He's probably standing on his back legs. He's holding them. He's saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. But this crocodile is fond of a wager, Mr. Possum. It has a gambler's spirit. And so it says to me, the mother, I will return your child to you if you can correctly predict whether or not I intend to return this child to you. (laughs) Oh, boy. My question for you, Mr. Possum, is do I, the mother, say that the crocodile intends to give me the child back or not? Which is the better answer? Which is the stronger position? Uh, It's quite a dilemma, right? Yes. The crocodile hostage situation. It's it's an an ancient question. It's an ancient one. Right. Because, uh, for instance, I might think I want to predict that the child will be returned because that's what I want, most of all, right? Right. But if if I say that and then I'm wrong that I lose the child anyway. Right. 
Well, first thing you want to do is you don't want to sit there and play no crocodile games. This crocodile's got a taste for gambling. You don't want to be like, okay, what's a crocodile? I got to start playing the crocodile games. No. Right. So let me just assure you, just ease your brain. Let me tell you right now, this crocodile's not going to eat your baby. I'm going to get you out of this. Oh, wow. Okay. But you're saying instead of playing the crocodile's game, I need to kind of like come up with my own game and make the crocodile play that one. Yes, you got to outsmart his ancient lizard brain. Okay. Well, that's very that's very wise. So first you got to tell the crocodile that he's very smart. Okay. And that he's always right and that he's great at gambling. It's going to take him off guard if you just sit there and give him all sorts of compliments. Right. And then while he's blushing, while his skin is nice and pink, you swap out your child for a jackie. The same size boys that, that with you is bathing in the river, but it's a Chucky. A Chucky doll. You know what a Chucky is? Yes. A, a, a little Chucky dolly. Uh, right. It's not a real child, Big Al. It's a possessed dolly. Oh, does it need to be possessed the way Chucky is? Yeah, it's got a squirm and stuff. Chucky don't want to be eaten, so you need a what seems to be a living boy, but it's just a possessed dolly. It's a Chucky. Right. So you, you, you swap out your kid for a Chucky, and then you say, hmm, you know what? I ain't going to play your game. And then he goes, okay, chomp, chomp. And then guess what? You just won because he just killed Chucky, and that's good. Nobody likes Chucky. Everybody's been trying to kill Chucky for decades. Sure. And then you got your kid, and he's, you can finish your bath. Uh, wise old possum, have you considered that in this uh, philosophical dilemma scenario that perhaps eating the Chucky doll would put the Chucky spirit inside the crocodile and now you've got a Chucky who is also a crocodile? <laughs> and that that might be the worst case scenario for, for you and your child and the rest of society. Well, the real lesson, of course, is to get an indoor bathtub, Big L, so that you don't have to run into that Scary old crocodile with a striped shirt and the Oshkosh Magash, or whatever he wears. Right. So now the crocodile's wearing the Chucky outfit in your mind. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Welcome back. Tonight, Big Al Dottie is sitting down at my nasty feet asking me the big questions, the important questions. What do you got next? Oh, great, wise, ancient, old, almost on death's door, so old, uh, possum. Okay, what is your query? Say I am traveling in a strange land and I come across a pair of doors, each guarded by a single guard. One of the doors leads to prosperity and success. And the other door leads to suffering, misery, disappointment. I'm informed that one of the guards always lies and one of the guards always tells the truth. What should I do to figure out which door I should enter, Mr. Possum? Ah, yes. This is a classic. Yep. This is probably one of the first questions they dropped on you at guru school, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was knee-high to a cricket when I learned this in guru school. First thing you want to do is you want to carry a door with you, and you're going to set it up, 
right next to him. You're going to bring a guard costume, and you're going to stand there in front of your new door, and you're going to be like, my first day being a, a door guard. Nice to meet y'all. Wow. That's the first thing you're going to do. Okay, wow. This is some real out-the-box thinking, I think, because you're you're saying I should become the third guard. Right. Become the third guard. And you're going to start wanting to schmooze with them. Uh-huh. Get all schmoozy. You're going to be like, start, start, you know, making fun of the boss. You want to do that first. You're going to be like, oh, that boss is a real chump. You know, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah. You know, they start getting comfortable with you because you're a bad boy. Right. They're like, hey, the new guy's a bad boy. And then all the time in your head, you're trying to ferret out who's the liar. But if you don't figure it out, what you could always do at the end of the day is just go through your own door. You set yourself up for success, baby. Wow. That's brilliant. Go through your own door. Live life through your own door. Yes, it is brilliant. Now go get me a soda and go with these snacks. Okay. Well, I'm going to go get the uh, wise old possum a soda, and uh, we'll be back in a moment. Give me a real good one, buddy. Really challenge me. What's your next big question? Okay, let me see. Uh, oh, this is one of the best ones for sure. Oh, wise, old, ancient, gray-haired, toothless, All right, wrinkled come on. possum. Come on, get to it. I have a dilemma that weighs on my mind that perhaps you can help me with. Say a mysterious man arrives at my door with a box and says, Mr. Doughty, if you open this box, you will find in it one million U.S. dollars, which you may choose to keep. It's yours if you want it, he says to me. But if you do keep it, someone out there in the world, someone, will have their pants fall down at an embarrassing moment, and they will fall face first into a big vat of mashed potatoes. Oh, heavens. <laughs> Possum, is it okay for me to take this million dollars if I know that it will cause someone else embarrassment and harm? and potentially uh, an allergic reaction if they are allergic to mashed potatoes. Ain't nobody allergic to mashed potatoes. Or worst case scenario, perhaps it will be me that will have my pants fall down at an embarrassing moment. Like, say, for instance, when I am depositing the million dollars into my bank, and for some reason they happen to have a big vat of mashed potatoes there. Well, of course, that's why they have security guards at the bank. They're guarding the mashed potatoes. The money's insured, but the mashed potatoes are not. All right, I will answer your question, young fool, but first, are the mashed potatoes buttery? Uh, it's important. I don't have the answer to that uh, in this dilemma, but let's say, yes, they are. Let's say they're buttery. Are they salted and adequately peppered? I would say, let's say, let's say they're the best tasting and seasoned mashed potatoes imaginable. Mm. Well, there's a part of me that hopes that you do take this money so that I fall face first. Pants down into this mashed potatoes. Because they sound pretty good. Now, here's the real problem, though. I love me some mashed potatoes. But if I fell with my pants down and into the taters, everybody would be laughing at me. And then I would start to associate mashed potatoes with a bad thing. 
a time of ridicule and laughter at me. Right. This is surely a, a bad outcome. So you're saying I shouldn't take the million dollars in case this makes mashed potatoes worse for you. Look here, let me put it this way. I'm going to kick you some wisdom. If you take that money, I know it's going to be me who falls with his pants down into a bunch of mashed potatoes. I just know it. Okay, so I don't want to take the million dollars then. Yes, my wisdom here is I'm going I'm to hurt you real bad if you take that money. Hey, Kyle, what is your next big important question? Possum, here's one I'm going to throw at you. It's the classic omnipotence paradox. Simply put, can an all-powerful being, if there is an all-powerful being out there, a lot of people believe there is, could that all-powerful being create a rock so heavy it could not lift it itself? Yes, the unstoppable rock paradox. Well, the Unstoppable Rock Paradox, I think, is a Kiss album, but uh, <laughs> this is uh, something else. Yes. It's, a, it's quite an interesting, dumb question, isn't it? Yes. Very interesting, dumb question. Yes, because if they're all powerful, they can do anything, and then they make this rock, and then they can't pick it up, then all of a sudden they look weak in front of everybody because they're supposed to be this all-powerful feller, and then they're like, oh, look at you. You're weak. You can't even pick up your own rock. And then everybody starts worshiping the rock instead of you because they're like, that rock's amazing. Yeah, that's real bad. If, if you're this all-powerful being, let's, let's call him Glob. If you're Glob, you want to stay powerful. You want to keep the upper hand. You don't want to be sitting there going, ooh, this rock's heavy. Why did I do this? Oh, God. No. Right. Now, here, here's the dumb thing about this question. Who says power is just about lifting stuff? You could be like, yes, I can create this rock that I can't lift. And then you create it, and they go, oh, look at you, you're so weak. And then you just crush it into gravel, and you go, eat that gravel. Eat it. Now that's power. Right. Eat that gravel. And you, the, the question of whether or not you could ever lift it just kind of goes away at that point. Right, because then they're sitting there eating gravel going, why did I do this? Why did I come up to this guy and challenge him? This gravel's too crunchy. Here's another angle for this that Glob could take, uh, if I may be so bold as to offer a suggestion. Sure. What if Glob made a rock that had like a sign or a plaque attached to it that said, Glob is not allowed to lift this? It's kind of a getting by on a technicality there. Right. And then also, the, if anybody were to ask why can't Glob lift it, he could say, well, I'm too important to be doing such grunt labor. You guys should lift this rock. I, I, I can't be bothered to do it. Then you make the can't thing more of like an exclusive thing. Like he's too cool to lift it. Right. You flip it on him. That's great. And then you're like constantly getting him to move the rock. Calling him at like three in the morning. You're like, hey, it's Glob. Can you move this rock? Yeah. I can't lift it. I hate to be a burden. Can you grunts come lift this rock for me again? And then they're like, man, we really regret asking Glob this question. Big Al and Possum, brave, strong, and awesome. Speaking truths and tooting toots and having tons of laughs. Big Al and Possum, two good boys hooting and hollering. We'll comfort you when you are blue and calm you when you're mad. Hey, Mr. Possum! Hey, Big Al! I heard you met a Terminator this week. I sure did. And how'd that go? It stunk. Oh, work? Yeah. Started off okay. I was minding my own out in the yard when this Terminator from the future came up. 
told me that my offspring was going to stop a robot takeover of the world in the year 2027. Wow. He said he was going to have to give me a vasectomy to make sure that wouldn't happen. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. Free vasectomy time, baby. Hang on a second, Mr. Possum. You'd rather get a vasectomy than save the world from a robot takeover? Yes, sir, Big Al. Okay, all right. So I ask if it's gonna hurt, and Terminator says no, because it's lasers. Oh, right. Lasers are famously painless. Yeah, so, you know, whiz-bang, laser, 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 and I'm clipped. Then the Terminator's like, hey, Mr. Possum, we don't have technology to get us back to the future, so do you mind if I chill here and crash with you until the robots take over? And what'd you say to that, Mr. Possum? I was like, okay, but you gotta earn your keep. Gardening, keeping up the house, etc. And Terminator's like, deal. So what was the problem? Well, the next day I came home and Terminator's working in the yard, sweating up a storm with his shirt off, you see. Mm-hmm. And I walk into the house and wife is standing at the window with her jaw on the dang floor, just staring. Oh boy. Lusty. Then the next day he's fixing a leaky pipe, all bent over in the kitchen, sexy. And I walk in and my wife is just sitting there in the kitchen table drooling into her cereal. Looked like she hadn't had a bite in 20 minutes. Had to throw out a whole bowl of soggy corn pops. Well, that's a waste of good corn pops right there. <laughs> you said it. So the third day, Terminator comes out of the shower, and he's all wet and glistening. Abs popping out. Veins snaking and curving sensuously and suggestively up and down his powerful frame. And he comes up to me, and he asks if he can get on the Wi-Fi. And what'd you say to that, Mr. Puzzle? I said, son, you've already been on my Wi-Fi. And if my wife hires you like this, she's like to explode. Now get some dang clothes on, toot-toot. Toot-toot. Big Al and Possum, brave and strong and awesome. Speaking truths and tootin' toots and having tons of laughs. Big Al and Possum, both bound for poppers' coffins. We'll comfort you when you are blue and calm you when you're mad. What is your next stupid question, Big Al? Great, wise possum. If I had a time machine mm-hmm. and traveled back in time and, let's say, bonked my own grandpapa off a cliff, oh, what would happen to me? This is what's known as the time travel paradox, right? Yes. Would I then vanish because I, I now no longer have a grandpapa? Right. Would you put you back to the future yourself? If you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. First of all, don't hurt your poor people. He's just a boy. Yeah. He's just a boy. He's up there on the cliff, just picking flowers, just being a simple peepaw. He's not even a peepaw yet. Yeah, he's just a tiny little peepaw. He's just a tiny peepaw. Leave him alone. But if you're going to bonk him off the cliff, it's too late. You've done it. Well, some people think that you would just vanish because you done murked your grandpa and he's gone. How'd you get here? Right. Well, the answer to that is simple. The universe doesn't care. I see. You're saying the universe itself does not care about canon. No. The universe doesn't need you to have a peepaw or a grandpapa. No. As I say. Exactly. It doesn't care. Yeah, the real question is, what are you looking to gain from this, you know? You, you went back in time. That was awesome. Yeah. You met your grandpa. He was just a boy. You could have had a catch with him. You could have right. thrown a ball to him. But instead, you bonked him off a cliff. Right. Just to test a little bit of philosophy. Awful. How many grandpapas out there need to be the victims of our selfish philosophy? In the search for truth, how many peepaws have been bonked off a cliff? 
We'll never know. Big Al, what's your next big question for me? My next question for you, oh great and wise possum, is one that truly keeps me up at night. Ooh, is it spooky? No, but it is harrowing. Let's say I was a stone out in the driest desert in the world. A hot, dry stone. Ooh. Baking in the sun. I've never felt so much as a sprinkling of cold, refreshing water on my stone surface. Only the hot, hot heat of that powerful sun. Would it be better for me as a stone to live out my days never, ever feeling the cool, refreshing kiss of water's wetness? Or would it be better for me to experience a refreshing rainfall one time and one time only in my long, sad, static existence? Ah. The question is, is it better to never, ever be wet or to only get wet once? Is it better to, to have been wet and lost or to have never been wet at all? Yes. Right? Yeah. You got to think. Use your, use your dry rock head. You got a lizard sprawled across your back because you're the hot, dry rock. And that lizard, he's cold-blooded. He was stealing your heat all day. That lizard treats you like a chair. Treat you like a chair. He don't goes around to his friends going, I sit on that rock all the time. He don't do nothing. Now, the, the rain would really put that lizard in his place, wouldn't it? Uh, if nothing else, it would kick that freeloading lizard off your rock head. And if you got wet, if you got real wet in a dry desert, you could entertain all the other rocks with the story of that one time you got super wet. And they would love the story. You'd be like, gather around. I'm going to cut the turkey for Rock Thanksgiving. I'm going to tell my favorite story. The time I got pretty wet. Rock Thanksgiving. Yes. And they're going to be have, like, oh. <laughs> we have turkey out there. Yeah, we got rock turkey out there. Okay. Hard to cut. Yeah. But that's why they give this knife to you, because you're the eldest rock, and you know how to cut it. And I'm the only one who remembers the great rain. Yes. Pretty much that's the answer. You want to be able to brag about being wet and you want to put that lizard in its place. So you do believe that it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Oh, wait a minute here. Don't be don't be switching it up here. You're talking about love. Better to love and have lost. Uh-uh. I don't know. I thought maybe the wetness was a metaphor for love or something. Gather around and hear the story about how this one this one lady loved me and nobody else loves me. Oh my god. Bonk me with a rock. You're saying that would be sadder than the than the yes. wetness one. That's sadder. Now the rock that got wet, that's a storybook. The rock that got dumped, not as good. Exactly. Now the rock that got dunked in water, now that's a good one. Dunked, yes. Dumped, no. Okay. Toot toot, y'all. I'm Big Hal Dottie, and I've been asking this great, wise, old possum some deep, probing, philosophical questions to try to glean some of his wisdom tonight. And I've only got one left, and then I will be back on my way. Mr. Possum, 
The final question I have for you tonight is, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> what a stupid question. Obviously, chickens come out of eggs. That's how they make their entrances. They say ta-da, and they bust out of that dry old egg. And the, the egg comes first. That's how chickens get there. Moron. Okay. Uh, but have you thought about the fact that the egg also comes out of the chicken? Oh. Where'd that egg come from? Right. The chicken comes out of the egg. But then the egg came out of the chicken. Yeah. Truly interesting wisdom. Sorry, you you just repeated the question back to me, and now you're saying that that's wisdom. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, do you have an answer? Sometimes the best answers are the most puzzling eggs of all. What a great question. Uh, okay. I like eggs. I like chickens. Which one did I like first? Now, I got an answer for that. I think I ate chicken first. Uh, I didn't like eggs for a while. It's too runny. It's too floppy. But chickens is always good as a food. Okay, Plus, so they you got just don't have, You just don't have an answer. You don't have an answer for that. I grow tired of your questions. Podcast. Toot toot.